Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden is your host, our last show of 2017. Well, where did the time go, Danny? It really Danny? did flew by. Good morning. Happy New Year. Yes. A day early and Merry Christmas a week late and yeah. all that. And uh, for those joining us a little bit late, uh, I mentioned it a couple of times, this is an open line show today. That means you drive the show, the callers and the texters. We're already getting both as we speak. So if you do have a health question for Dr. David Hilden, now is your chance. Let me, in fact, before we uh, talk about the flu, let us, uh, let me give the phone number and the text number and you can give the other number. We have three ways. Sure, I can give you the tweet number. number. Our phone number, and we've cleared the line, 651-989-9226. Send a text, 81807. Or Or you can tweet. The tweet handle is drdavidhilden, all one word. Just send me a tweet to that message, and you uh, you have to be brief, but you can ask your question that way. If you put the hashtag healthy matters, that's helpful, but you don't have to. You can just oh. tweet it to just tweet it to my name. Very good. Dr. David Hilden, like some people uh, like to do. Well, I was I mentioned this uh, on the air earlier too, Doctor, that I was going to ask you about the flu. What's it like in the hospital these days, and is it official now? It's official. Yeah, we're in the widespread flu season, Denny. So widespread. I um. That's you know they have these these um, various classifications and the Minnesota Department of Health um, upgraded us to widespread, which means it's kind of all over our great state and I assume the ones surrounding us as well. So I I could have done that myself though. I was at a, a at a, I mean I could have named it widespread. Sure. I was in the hospital for the week leading up to Christmas and I personally had three patients with laboratory confirmed influenza in one day. And then I saw a couple of my colleagues each had a couple each. So between the three or four of us who were working over the um, last weekend, the Mm -hmm. Christmas weekend, and coming into this week, we had a dozen just ourselves of of people in the hospital with with laboratory-confirmed influenza. That means a whole bunch of other people had influenza that that didn't come to the lab. And, And most people don't have to come in to your doctor. That's kind of a point I like to make to people. If you're an otherwise healthy person and... You get what you think is the flu, and that would be sudden onset. That's key. Sudden onset over the course of an hours of a cough and a fever that's usually in the hundreds, at least 100, but maybe more like 101, 102, and muscle aches and pains kind of all over your body. That's probably the flu. And if you're doing okay and you're breathing fine, and um, you can just stay home. In fact, stay home might be a good thing to do. Not everybody has to go into your doctor's office because – most of your doctors aren't going to give you a medicine for it. They're just going to say, yeah, you have the flu, you know, stay, stop, home. stay home. But on the other hand, if you are really sick, if you're at, the, um, at one end of the age bracket, in other words, small children, infants, babies, so parents of babies, if your child gets a fever and coughing and doesn't look good, is lethargic, isn't drinking from their bottle, things like that, they should go into the doctor. It's very dangerous for babies and small children. And then if you're an older adult or someone with chronic medical issues like asthma, heart failure, um, things like that, um, respiratory diseases, and you get those symptoms, 
then you should go to the doctor as well because you uh, might need hospitalization. And that's what I was seeing this week. We saw a whole handful of people in just a course of a day or two needing hospitalization. And for those people, we almost always do give an antiviral medication if you're in the hospital. Which end of the age spectrum? Mostly older? Older, and yeah, the ones I saw were all older okay. people. Or they were people, I had a few younger folks, you know, younger meaning 50s, 40s, okay. 50s, 60s, um, who had other medical issues. You know, people who have heart failure. Um, if you have COPD, I saw two of those. So if you have emphysema or other lung diseases and you get these symptoms, you might want to go into it. I, that's what I had. I had a few people with that. They're all going to do fine, everyone I saw, but they, it, it, it does take the lives, unfortunately, of many people. So now that the Minnesota Department of Health says it's widespread, at my hospital, you have to wear a mask mm-hmm. if you haven't been uh, vaccinated. Not, not sure yet how effective the vaccine is going to be this year, but it's never perfect. In, in right. no year is it perfect. It's usually, you know, 50, 60 percent um, effective. And that's as vaccines go. It's better than nothing. It's not perfect, but it's certainly better than nothing. So I do recommend people still get their flu shot. It's all over the place um, in Minnesota already. And this is a few weeks earlier than last year. Hmm. Usually about the end of January, we're starting to hit a peak. That's the most cases of all. Well, we're hitting them in the last week in December. So that's fairly significant. Somebody, in fact, uh, sent a text wondering if it, it's it's still okay to get a flu shot. Yeah, and it, by, it is. By all means. Yeah, by all means. I would I would still do it. It does take a couple of weeks to become effective because your body has to develop some immunity. But it's uh, still um, okay to get it now. You can get it at your doctor's office. You can get it at many pharmacies, sure. sometimes other places of employment. I do recommend getting it for... Uh, well, just about everybody, with a few exceptions only. And somebody also texted, should you wear a mask? Well, if you are highly vulnerable, older older adults or people with chronic illnesses, and you're going to a place like a doctor's office or a crowded oh, yeah. place, you might want to wear a mask. In general, though, we don't routinely recommend masks. What we routinely recommend is that if you're around a sick person, that you swab the surfaces of your home with alcohol wipes. Um, that you uh, um, not be in close proximity to people who are coughing. Influenza is spread by what we call droplets. So it's not like some respiratory illnesses that are spread just through the air. The, the classic one would be tuberculosis, simply Ooh. being in the same room as somebody, or measles, that would be that way. Influenza is droplets. So you have to be within an arm's length of a person who's coughing or sneezing, or you have to somehow get in touch with their droplets that they sneeze. So like they sneeze into their hand, then they touch the doorknob, then you touch the doorknob and you're a goner. Uh, then you get <laughs> That's how it works. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. This is actually really good advice. Probably yeah. the number one bit of advice yeah. is stay home if you're sick and you can afford to. I mean, you're not really, really sick and wash your hands. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Let's go to the phones, Dr. Marilyn is calling from St. Paul. First up here, Marilyn, good morning. Good morning. I'd like the doctor to talk about B-O-O-P. It's bronchiolitis something something pneumonia. It sure is, Marilyn. It's, um, and I'm not going to be able to talk very much about it, but I love It's one of my favorite acronyms. Do you have a specific question about it or just in general? Uh, it's something that, has, that I've had for a number of years, and I wonder if there's any future. Do you ever get over it? Yeah. Those are, yes, you can. People can get over it. Um, I like it as a name. I don't like it as a disease. It's, I like it because it stands for boop. Boop is a, you know, it's literally, it's, I'm going to give it a shot, uh, Marilyn, on what it stands for. It's bronchiolitis 
obliterans with organizing pneumonia. I think that's it. Um, and frankly, I think that's an obsolete term. They use something else now. Hmm. But it is one of these more chronic pneumonia kind of conditions. And yes, people can get better from this. Um, they really can. So I, I would not um, just see your um, primary care doctor. I wouldn't do that because as a primary care doctor, I can barely remember what the acronym stands for. And so go to a lung doctor who deals with this. But yeah, yeah, um, uh, it can be serious. I've seen people in the hospital with it. But um, on the other hand, um, uh, there's great hope for you. All right, good. Thanks, Marilyn. 651-989-9226. Pat is calling from Anoka this morning. Pat, you're on with the doctor. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. I've had asthma for years, but it was just mainly exercise-induced, and I've been a runner. Um, last year it got worse, and I'm on flow vent twice a day. But I'm wondering, should I see a specialist rather than a GP? For yeah, Well, you don't have to, Pat, um, see a specialist, um, uh, but you might want to if you're uh, – if it's becoming a bigger deal. So most um, general doctors, either a family physician or an internal medicine doctor, those would be the two biggies, um, see a ton of asthma. Um, but that being said, uh, sometimes people's symptoms are getting worse and worse, and, they, and you want to see somebody who does it a little bit more often. Um, but, but this is one of the illnesses that primary care doctors see, I would say, daily. Certainly your pediatricians see it daily as well. So it's, if, you, if your doctor sees it every single day, there he or she is probably reasonably um, adept at it. There's a, there's a cascading uh, series of treatments for asthma based on, on the severity and frequency of your symptoms. And so we usually start with what we call a rescue inhaler, which is um, one of them is albuterol, which you just take as needed. That's for the mild intermittent asthmatics. And then we go up to the persistent asthmatics, all of whom need an inhaled steroid, like Flovent or something like that. And then we add more medications the more severe you go up this cascade. So you go from the rescue inhaler to a controller steroid inhaler. Then you add long-acting rescue, um, uh, long-acting dilators. And then there's medication. So when you're getting down to the farther end of this cascade, when you're on two or three inhalers and maybe some some pills, I think then it's a good time to see a specialist who would be a pulmonologist. They would be, or perhaps an allergist. Those allergists sometimes do a lot of really good work with asthma because they're so tightly uh, related in many people. So an allergist or a pulmonologist is probably a good idea if you're getting to that more severe range. I know we have a lot of text messages. Uh, speaking of, of a mask, we, have, we got a text from a flight attendant who would love to wear a mask yeah, so, while working. Okay, I feel for you, that you flight attendant. Yeah. You, uh, you, get, you guys work so hard. And I, I, I literally was coming home from a flight about two weeks ago. I sit down. I'm all cozy. I'm getting my book out, putting my headphones on, looking out the window. And if somebody sits next to me, and it, they were coughing up a oh, lung. Yeah. I mean, it was – and you're just I'm, – I'm getting green in the face just thinking <laughs> of what I'm going to hold your breath. And, and the flight attendant, without saying anything, because they have to be nice to all the yeah. customers and accommodating – she looked at me, and I could see just in her eyes she was feeling very sympathetic for me. And I looked back at her because I, I wanted to think, wow, flight attendants, you have to deal with this all day long. People yes. coughing and sneezing in an enclosed Petri dish yes. at 30,000 feet. Um, yeah, flight attendants are one group. If your employer would let you, 
would be a great group to wear a mask in the flu season. I should say. I, right. I wanted to say one more yes, thing yes, to, yes. To, um, to Marilyn who had boop. I couldn't think of the name that they mostly goes by now, and some t- people like to look it up. It's cryptogenic organizing pneumonia. That's the new term for um, boop. So um, so that's the new title. Uh, yeah, that's the newer one. Cryptogenic means we're not really sure. It's kind of cryptic. We're not, but it's an organizing pneumonia that's often a, a response to a previous infection. It gets inflammation in your lungs, and that one should see a lung specialist. But that's the newer name. We're going to collect ourselves here on this chilly day and uh, take a quick break here. And we've got a lot of text messages that you can see, Doctor. But there's a line open, too, if you'd rather call in your question. 651-989-9226. In the Twin Cities, we're at 14 degrees below zero. We might get all the way up to a minus five or minus six. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. Uh, It's an open line show today. That means your questions uh, throughout the whole show. By phone, by text, by tweet. I see one line open, Dr. Hilden, at 651-989-9226, and a lot of uh, text messages at 81807. Should I do some text Let's messages? Let's do that, I, and then we'll get back to the okay. phone. Okay, I wanted to bring up the whole text thing. People don't know why I don't answer their texts sometimes, and, well, there's just way too many. But some, some weeks I don't get to as many as, as usual, and one of those weeks was December 3rd when we did arthritis. We had so many, and I couldn't get to them all. So just last night, I put up a post on MyHealthyMatters.org to answer at least about a dozen or so of your questions that came in on our arthritis show with Dr. Nasser. I actually had Dr. Nasser just write me out some answers in between patients or something. He did this. So go to MyHealthyMatters.org for at least some of your text questions about arthritis. He promised me he would do another set of 10 10 or 20 questions or so, and I'll do it on a future post. But I put those questions up, and about 100 people in the first two hours already have looked at it. So so uh, if you're wondering what happened to your text question about arthritis, go to MyHealthyMatters.org. Here, let's do a few of them sure. from today's show. Um, let's see. Uh, what percentage of our patients had a flu shot? That's a, a, a good one from Bill in Bloomington, and a Happy New Year to you, Bill. Uh, I don't know yet. Um, two of the Three that I personally cared for had not had their flu shot, and one did. Um, So I don't know what to make of that. We did have one of our physicians get influenza who did get the flu shot, but it was within a week or two of getting the shot, and it wasn't effective yet. So we're just not sure yet how effective the vaccine is. Um, uh, but it's more effective than nothing. That that we do know, but it's just too early to say. We might not know for months how effective this year's vaccine was. Um, but it's a it's a good question. Um, here's a question from, let's see if I can get it. Here we go. I have an elderly woman friend on home medical oxygen. The problem is she has tripped and fallen over the long hose, which connects to the generator. Can they make them retract like a dog leash? This is a real danger for the elderly who live alone. That is a fantastic yeah. um, idea. Um, I I do know that some of the hoses are shorter on the little backpack-style oxygen tanks, but some of the big ones that you wheel around your house probably do have a long cord. And every geriatrician I know will tell you that a fall risk of hoses and cords and electrical cords is a huge risk for older folks. I love that. Um, I don't know if they make any retractable ones. It's a great idea um, if they're, if we have an entrepreneurial spirited person out there uh there might be there might be a, a business opportunity in that but i will um i'm going to ask around at the hospital i don't know if that exists because we have great listeners as you know and there some of them might be home medical 
uh, device uh, right. businesses. Right. They exactly. would know. They might know because I don't know um, if that exists. It's a super good idea. Um, do we have time for another one? Let's oh, yeah. see. There's so many of them. There's a lot of them here. Um, uh, let's see. A hi- oh, here. A hiatal hernia of three centimeters and esophagitis. Um, should I seek surgical repair or prescription therapy for the rest of my life? I wouldn't be able to say to this texter, um, if you have uh, grade B esophagitis, means you're getting damage to your esophagus from your acid reflux disease, and you certainly should be on a high-dose proton pump inhibitor like omeprazole or Nexium, something like that, I would recommend you take it twice a day. And if your esophagitis is not getting better, then you might want to consider a surgery because this person has a hiatal hernia where literally part of your stomach, which should be in your belly, is in your chest. Um, there, your, your esophagus goes through a small little hole in your diaphragm into your stomach, and your diaphragm is sort of the connecting plane between your chest and your abdomen. If you have a hernia that your stomach and part of your intestines are getting pulled up into your chest cavity a little bit where they can't control the acid very well and your acid reflux will be worse. So so I would uh, for sure be on the high-dose antacid for this person. And if your esophagitis is not improving or if it's getting worse next time you have it looked at, then yes, I would consider surgery. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Sarah has been waiting there in uh, New Brighton. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. I have a question about toenail fungus. I've had it for about eight years, and nothing has helped, including the medication that, uh, that I took for about six months. Uh, is toenail removal my next step? It is a potential step, Sarah, but before I, before I let you off the phone, you took the pills, the antifungal pills as well? Yes. And it didn't do a thing? Yes, I think it was Lamisil. Yeah, Lamisil. That, I that's took a... it for about six months. Yeah, so... Um, Unfortunately, you're probably not going to have much success with anything short of removing your toenails. And it sounds awful to people, but it's not so bad. Um, uh, The topical things for toenail fungus do not work very well at all, I'm sorry to say. The pills, like the one you took, Sarah, do work in a lot of people, um, but not everybody. And you are a case in point in that. And even for those for whom the pills work, you take it for a month, it's still another many months before your nails look normal again. And then even in those people, it recurs. In fact, it comes back next year. So you can't take those pills every year of your life. So it's kind of a frustrating thing. The good news about toenail fungus, which the medical term is onychomycosis, the, the good news about that is that it has no long-term adverse health effects. It's not bad for you. It's not going to spread to your lungs or anything. It's cosmetic only. So if you can just decide that your nails look okay, you don't have to do anything. But if they're really looking ugly or if they're really getting hard to maintain, then I would see a podiatrist and, and consider a nail removal. They do it, um, you know, it, they anesthetize you so it doesn't hurt because it sounds like it would. It doesn't. And then often the nail bed can look pretty darn good. I've even known people to put artificial nails on there or even to paint the nail bed. And, and you're never going to be a foot model after this, but you might. but it might not look as... Um, unsightly as you think to have the nails removed. So it's something to consider, Sarah. Let's see, before the break, if we can get Chuck in Blaine's question uh, answered. If not, we'll carry it over. Chuck, what is your question, please? Um, I'm on insulin, and my back is itching a lot since I started on it. I'm just wondering if that's a side effect of the insulin. Not usually. Um, Not usually, Chuck. Um, uh, The big side effects of insulin are more... um, are more things like that have to do with huge fluctuations in your uh, blood sugars. But 
it is. But that being said, I don't want to dismiss it as a possibility because people can react. These are medications, after all, that you're injecting. So it is certainly possible. But if you have a drug reaction um, on your skin that is itchy, it will tend to be all over the place, not in one place of your body. So if you're kind of itchy all over your chest, your belly, your back, your legs, it's kind of itching all over, that's a more likely a drug reaction than if it's in just one place. If you're um if it's in your lower back and you're driving a lot, it could well be just kind of the pressure from um heat and from largely heat and moisture and pressure on your back, that might be a possibility. That being the case, do ask your doctor because it is at least possible that it's an, a, a side effect. I just don't think it's the most likely um problem. All right. We have to break here in about uh, 30 seconds, and I, it's hard to believe that next Sunday is going to be our first show of our 10th this is, year. This is the la- we're polishing up the ninth year of My yeah. Healthy Matters. Thank you to everybody who listens. We're like, like on our 470th show. We'll hit our 500th show in 2018 sometime. We're going to start off. It's the start of our 10th year. Go to MyHealthyMatters.org if you want to hear some older shows or you want to see um, uh, or listen to podcasts of previous shows. But thank you, everybody, for nine great years. And we'll uh, be uh, back, of course, next week. We've got another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. It's 14 degrees below zero in the Twin Cities. We might hit a minus five or minus six later. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It is another open line show today, which means your uh, general health questions for Dr. David Hilden by phone, by text, by tweet. Uh, I see one line open, Dr. 651-989-9226. We've got uh, a bunch of text messages as well we're going to get to. uh, uh, But uh, Robin is calling and waiting there in in, uh, Woodbury with a question. Go ahead, Robin. Thank you. Allergic reaction to my flu shot this year. I've gotten them all the time. Never had a problem. Um, I'm wondering what to do next time. Should I never get it again? The, the what happened was um, systemic rash um, and itching, kind of all over, all the way down from my head to my waist. Right. Most most people. Thanks for your call, Robin. Most people would recommend still getting the flu shot in pre in next years. What I might do is just go see an allergist like Dr. John Sweet at Hennepin or somewhere else um, to just talk about what you had. People can get some uh, minor local reactions to vaccines. Um, so when I always tell people, "Yo, oh, this vaccine's safe and it's great," and it's I don't want people to. Um, feel like I'm overselling things that aren't true. I want to be very honest and realistic about things. And the vaccine is highly effective, not perfect, but highly effective. And I often try to tell people, you can get this, you're not going to have a reaction. But I do have to acknowledge that some people do get some reactions. You can get a sore arm, you can feel a little cruddy the day you get it. And it is possible to get some types of um, allergic reactions. So that can occur. None of them are considered un, um, uh Serious, with the exception of a, a, a few, one of them is called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is not an infection, but it's a neurologic problem. But but beyond that, most uh, authorities, and I don't, uh, you know, the public health authorities recommend getting your vaccine next year again anyway. You might be just taking antihistamine or something to reduce the skin rash. Even if you have egg allergies, they're now recommending that you get it. So I think um, your question is good. Your concerns are legitimate. I would uh, talk to an allergist, talk to your doctor before getting it, but that's my one year in advance advice is that you can probably go ahead with it again next year, Robin. 
All right, very good. 651-989-9226. Should we grab some text messages? Let's grab some text messages so I um, get everybody's question that we can. Here's one that says, great show. Thank you, texter. And it says, 64-year-old male diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Please comment on treatment options. So IPF, idiopathic, means we don't know what causes it. Pulmonary is lungs. Fibrosis is scarring. So this is what when people, not the airways of your lungs, but the tissue itself gets um, scarred, fibrosed, if you will. We're, most of the time, we're not sure what causes it. Sometimes um, a previous occupational exposure to something can do it, like miners and farmers and people who have to inhale chemicals. Maybe that's the cause. Um, but for the vast majority of people, we can't figure out why you got it. it. It presents with usually some period of years of progressively worsening shortness of breath, what we call dyspnea. And this texter is asking, what are the treatments? And I'm sorry to say there aren't any really good ones that we know. Um, uh, We can't reverse scarring in the lungs. In general, in the human body, when something is scarred, we can't reverse it, and that's what IPF is. So there are some newer medications there are, you know, that um, are showing some promise, but nothing's been proven to reverse it completely. So it's often about symptom relief, giving you inhalers and things to try to, to help you breathe better. Um, when it's getting to be um, harder to breathe, which can happen over months or it can happen in many years. So I can't predict how long that will be for you. It can be years. But one other thing I can say is make sure you're seeing a pulmonary specialist, a pulmonologist, not just your general doctor. Uh, Pulmonary fibrosis is out of the scope of of the expertise of a primary care doctor. So make sure you're seeing a lung doctor. Okay. Um, Here's another one. Is there anecdotal evidence for medicinal marijuana's benefits since it's been legalized? We have a daughter with epilepsy and seizures and have seen some improvements. There is some evidence that it's helpful in things. Uh, It's the real deal for many things. And seizures are one that I have heard um, have some promise that it's going to help some people with seizures. I am not an expert, so it would be out of line for me to say what the exact evidence is. Um, But yes, to this texter, I have heard that some people with seizures and epilepsy do get some relief with medicinal uh, cannabis. That's what we would call it, cannabis. Um, medical marijuana, if you will. There are a few other indications, but that is one that does show some promise. All right. Let's uh, talk to Dan, who is calling from uh, Greenfield. Dan, you're on with Dr. Hilden. Yeah, say, uh, I got uh, I play a lot of racquetball, and my knees uh, have a tendency to really ache afterwards. And then especially when I get up from the chair and start walking, and then uh, stairs. They just... Uh, or uh, they really bark for a while. And I do take a lot of Advil to try to calm the uh, inflammation down, but uh, what other recommendations would you recommend? Yeah, um, people that do court sports often have knee problems, basketball, racquetball, tennis, because your joint, your foot is planted, and you're moving rapid motions in all directions. And so there's all kinds of stressors on your knee and your knee's only supposed to go in one direction, bend and flex, bend and flex, not supposed to go right and left and all kittywampus. And so people do get problems, court players, um, with their knees. It can wear, it can um, either have ligamentous things, and that might be what you have. You could have strains of the ligaments and the tendons. You can get tendonitis, ligaments, tendons, and then there's the joints themselves that can get wear and tear. I would make sure you've had some plain x-rays of your knees first and see if there's anything obvious with the bones. And um, I would see a physical therapist, maybe a sports doctor would be, or a sports therapist would be a good idea. And if the if it doesn't get better in um, a month or two or three, 
then you would probably be a candidate for an MRI of your knees because that can look at the softer tissues like the ligaments and the tendons and see if there's anything else that can be um, fixed. Sometimes people get steroid injections in their knees, and that can help from anywhere from a week to a few months. So that's a good thing. Some other people have looked into stem cells, which is one of our text messengers actually is asking mm. about stem cells. So I'll try to answer that right now as well. There is some promise that getting stem cells injected into your knee might help. There's no evidence yet that that helps, but it's promising. So that's something to at least consider, although I can't endorse it because I don't know. Um, so things like that. Uh, and, and you might see a, a trainer that is helpful, that knows sports medicine to give you strengthening exercises, strengthening your quads, strengthening your hamstrings, strengthening your um, calves of your lower leg. All of those can help support your knee and might make it so you have a little bit less pain. Uh, so those are some suggestions. All right. Uh, let's see. Who's next? Uh, JC's calling from Bloomington with a question. JC, you're on CCO. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, 2008, I had both my knees replaced uh, July and September. The second knee in September, they discovered a blood clot, and I've been taking warfarin ever since. Um, I'm not having any problems or anything. I'm just wondering, is there something that can be done to treat the blood clot so I don't have to live with it anymore? Right. Um, uh, Thanks for your call, JC. So you had what we would call a provoked DVT. Provoked mean well, DVT is deep vein thrombosis. At least that's what I'm thinking you had. That's a blood clot in the veins of your leg. And it's provoked in that there was a cause. Your cause was your orthopedic surgery. That, frankly, puts you at a little lower risk for future problems because it took an event, a trigger, to give you the blood clot. That's to be distinguished with an unprovoked DVT. You can't figure out what happened. You didn't just have a surgery. You didn't just take a 30-hour car ride. You don't have active cancer. Just people get blood clots, and we can't figure out why. That's unprovoked. We often tell people with an unprovoked DVT to take blood thinners for their whole life because it could happen again, and it could be more serious. Sometimes with what you have, if it was a provoked one, often what people will say is take your blood thinners for six months or so, and then maybe you can stop. I'm saying maybe because I don't know your situation, and I don't know how bad your blood clot was, and I don't know your whole medical history. But sometimes um, you don't have to be on it your whole life. You take it for six months. Uh, so I sometimes people get ultrasounds of their legs in six months to see if it's going away, and if it's gone away, then you stop taking them, and as long as you're not having another surgery, you might be okay. But it's all sort of a risk-benefit um, discussion and you know, trying to predict the future, whether you're going to get another one. The deal with warfarin, it's very, very effective, even though it was invented in Wisconsin. That's what the W stands for. <laughs> warfarin is the generic name for a, the most common blood thinner, and it stands for the Wisconsin Alumni Research Foundation. That's what the WARF um, but it's highly effective at blood thinning. But it's really an old medicine that requires blood tests and all that. There are newer ones that you take that don't require blood monitoring. You might want to consider one of those, JC. Okay. You know what? We uh, need to take a break. A quick one. We have more show to come. Uh, 651-989-9226. Or send the doctor your text at 81807. We'll pick up on both the calls and your text messages when we uh, come back. In the Twin Cities, we've now moved to 15 degrees below zero. We'll have a look at that forecast coming up here on 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back. 
to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. Dr. Hilden, you can see we have callers, we have texters. Where, where do you want to start? Well, let's. Uh, why don't I do one or two sure. more texts? We are doing a lot of open line show to end our ninth year on the air. It's not that I don't have enough friends who are willing to come talk <laughs> yes. to me, but we just thought we would, we would do a lot of general questions as we close up the year. We're going to do it again next week. And then in January, we're going to have some topics. We're going to have some neurologists on the show. We're going to we're going to um, tie in with the Super Bowl and do a, 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 a head injury show. We're trying to put that together. So we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up in January to launch our 10th year on the air. But for now, we're going to do some open line shows. If you didn't get your arthritis questions answered about a month ago on December 3rd, or even if you did but want to learn more about arthritis, Go to MyHealthyMatters.org. That's the website for the show. I have put up a post including a few pictures and links about arthritis. Mostly it's a Q&A session with Dr. Rawad Nasser, who was the rheumatologist here on the program. And the cues all came from you, the questions. I just simply put questions from listeners and had Dr. Nasser uh, type me out some answers, and he was so uh, he was kind enough to do that. So go to myhealthymatters.org. You can also listen to podcasts of previous shows and do, do some links to some of the older uh, posts I have. Learn about apple cider vinegar. Uh, learn about um, the new blood pressure guidelines. That's all at myhealthymatters.org. Okay, here's a couple more text messages that have come in. One of them says, will a rotator cuff that is torn heal without surgical intervention? Common question, common problem. And the answer is maybe. Um, Your rotator cuff is the four muscles and and associated structures in your shoulder. When you think about it, your shoulder is an amazing joint. You know, your knee goes back and forth, like I was saying earlier, just in one one plane, flex and extend. But think of what your shoulder can do. It can go out to the side, up, down, across your body. You know, we we have Major League Baseball because of the rotator cuff. (laughs) Otherwise, nobody could pitch a baseball. But it does get torn. One of those four ligaments... Um, uh, and muscles can get torn. If they're torn partially, in other words, just strain or partially torn, often they can heal with simple physical therapy and exercises and and um, rest and things like that. But if it's completely all the way torn through, a through and through complete tear of the muscle or of the um, the tendons, uh, often that does require surgery. Uh, so if the main thing is if you can't lift your arm up at all, all without using the other arm to lift your arm up, that ain't going to heal on its own. You're going to need a surgery. All right. Let's go back to the phones, Doctor. Kathy and Hopkins has been waiting. Kathy, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for doing this show alive, even around the holidays versus reruns. Oh, thank <laughs> Happy to do it, Kathy, and thank you for listening. Say, um, I'm an avid listener. We have a young adult um, family member who was diagnosed with scleroderma and learned a lot about it since then. But just wondering what HCMC does. Um, are you active in the research part of it or the treatment part? Mm. No, there's things going on nationally, some locally, but not a lot. Right. You are absolutely right, Kathy. And again, thank you for listening. Scleroderma, um, we don't do active research in it at HCMC. So I, I'll put that right out there. We have a a rheumatology group that's that cares for and treats patients in a very sound scientifically medically based way that much i do know um uh we have i think three four or five now people in the rheumatology division including dr nasser who was here um a few weeks ago and and uh um several others in that group so they're really good clinically but research they're not doing like new 
research. However, however, they're really plugged into the University of Minnesota um, at our facility, and all of us are on the faculty, including myself. We're on the faculty of the medical school at the University of Minnesota, so our rheumatologists are as well. So they're really tied in with people who are doing active clinical trials and the like. So that part we do do. For listeners who aren't wondering what we're talking about, scleroderma, if you take the two pieces of that, sclero is um, uh, like fibrosing or scarring, derma is skin. So this is a condition of the skin um, that often goes along with other types of rheumatologic um, uh, problems, um, joint problems and, and swallowing problems in some people. And in some people, it's just in the skin. So Kathy's bringing up a really um, uh, important uh, uh, um disease process that needs specialty care. So that'd be my, my short answer, or maybe it's not short, maybe that's my long answer, Kathy, is that for clinical care and to get, um, uh, we're great at Hennepin in our rheumatology department. Um, I don't know exactly what the, the specific research trials and things are because the, the medications that are out there now for rheumatologic illnesses are blowing away anything we've had 10 years ago. So the stuff is just exploding into great new areas. I would say some of these rheumatologic conditions, it's, it's the biologic medicines and some of the new advances in medications are well outpacing even some other areas of medicine in terms of their potential benefit to people. So make sure that you do get your loved one into a specialist. And if, it, if you want that to be at HCMC, we're happy to have that or wherever you're going um, because there's, a, there's exciting and really promising things for people who have um, scleroderma. All right. I think, Doctor, we have time for one more phone call. Bob is calling from St. Paul. Bob, uh, you're on with the doctor. Yes, I have a problem with the recurrent uh, jock itch and the, the regular treatment ointment. It uh, doesn't seem to really be that effective. Yeah, are you getting it over the counter? Are you getting yeah, it to, yeah. And I've, I've had a, a one uh, increased dose doctor's uh, Right. So maybe your issue is this. Um, so what, what Bob's talking about is um, it's a fungal infection. You know, you've heard of athlete's foot. Well, this is on, on kind of your underwear area. That's what he's talking about. Any place in your body that is not exposed to the sunlight, like your toes or your, your um, let's see, what other areas? In women under your breasts and in men kind of in the genital area, you can get a, a skin infection with a mild fungus. It's like a yeast infection. Um, it might just be the vehicle of the medication you're using. They come in creams, lotions, ointments, powders, sprays. I would just simply try a different one of those. Bathe, dry it off, pat dry your all of your skin, and then use a different one. If you're using a cream, maybe an ointment. If you're using an ointment, maybe a spray. If you're using a spray, maybe a powder. Try Because they're all antifungals. They all contain roughly the same medication. See a dermatologist and um, see if they can't help you out with a different formulation of a prescription prescription strength medication. And that maybe will help you out. We have a little less than 60 seconds to go. Uh, another reminder next week's show for those folks that did not get in today. Yeah, you'll thank, have another chance. Yeah, you'll have another chance. Thanks for calling and texting in. Uh, we're going to do an open line show next week. I'll keep trying to do as many as I can. Um, uh, and then look, look for some shows uh, from neurology and about brain uh, um, health in the month of January. And if you need a doctor... Check us out at 612-873-6963 or go to hcmc.org. 
You can learn all about our new clinic building, which is a state-of-the-art clinic and specialty center opening on March 26th here in downtown Minneapolis. We're getting really excited about that. Go from there. I hope to do a show right from the lobby and get people coming in. It's going to be really exciting. And, of course, go to MyHealthyMatters.org learn all about arthritis. Excellent. All right, we'll see you one week from today. Happy New Year. Thanks, Denny. Happy New Year, everybody. All right. In the Twin Cities, it's a minus 15. 15 below. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.